0: You are Locked On Dolphins, your daily podcast on the Miami Dolphins, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team, every day. What's up, Dolphins, and welcome in to the Victory Monday edition for Monday, October the 16th of the Locked On Dolphins podcast, brought to you by MyBookie.ag. I am your host, Travis Wingfield, with you here every single day on the Lockdown Dolphins podcast, and of course, I am here to bring you your daily dose of Miami Dolphins football. On today's show, we are recapping the Dolphins' stunning victory in Atlanta over the Falcons, 20-17, to the usual Sunday 5 takeaways, I answer your Twitter mailbag questions, plenty of those to get to today, plus another week into the Jay Cutler saga, I was asked another question about him, I break down my feelings on the quarterback from another angle that I don't think I have quite yet explored just yet, believe it or not, and we got a lot to get to on today's show guys, but first... I have to remind you to subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Tuned In, or wherever you get your podcast from. Drop us a five-star rating, write us a nice little review. Those subscriptions, ratings, reviews, those are how podcasters are judged. The more I get, the higher we go up the iTunes chart, the more it exposes us to more doll fans, helps the show to continue to grow, and we really, really appreciate that support, guys. Don't forget to check out the other Locked On Sports family of podcasts. Include the Locked On NFL podcast and the Locked On Heat podcast for local and national coverage of your favorite teams with the NBA season approaching here shortly. Lastly, follow me on Twitter at... At Wingfield NFL, where I tweet the games live on Sundays. Tuesdays is the, is the film GIF replays. Follow the shows on Locked on Fins. Check out the lockdownfins.com website. Current pieces are coming up and are already currently out. One from Charles Harris, or, or about Charles Harris on Friday, as well as pieces on Devon Godshaw and Adam Gates coming this week. Check out my website, Third and Ten, for the week five quarterback grades and week six grades coming soon. And right before we get into the meat of the episode, i got to remind you guys about how you can win yourself a free Pro Football Focus PFF Edge subscription. That's a $40 value. We're giving out one per show per week. What PFF is, is NFL players, grades, snap counts, and positional ranks. If you watch the games on Sunday night on NBC, the starting lineups listed across the bottom there have their positional ranks. That's from profootballfocus.com, so you know it's a reputable website. For you fantasy guys, they have projections, rankings, tools, and charts. NFL draft nuts, they have draft coverage with PFF profiles and college stats. Team and player pages featuring PFF stats. The Miami Dolphins single team page is fantastic. Highly recommend that. And the way you guys can get yourself a free PFF Edge subscription is go ahead and write that review on iTunes for us. Leave your Twitter handle in that review and you get enter for a chance to win a free PFF Edge subscription. That's profootballfocus.com. All right, all the housekeeping out of the way. Now let's go ahead and get right into this and talk about the five takeaways from today's game. The 20-17 victory Dolphins win over the Atlanta Falcons to get to 3-2, back over five Three out of the first five games victory despite the hurricane and all that good stuff. And we'll get to that here in just one second. But first, my first takeaway from the game, what else could it be besides the Miami Dolphins defense? Last year's reigning MVP, the most high-powered offense a top five most prolific offense in NFL history, setting all kinds of scoring records and distribution records, and Matt Ryan having a crazy year. Well, they host the Miami Dolphins coming off of a bye week, and the Dolphins in the second half go one interception, two sacks, two three and outs. They allowed zero points in that second half, taking the ball away from Matt Ryan, last year's MVP on the potential game-winning drive. The cornerbacks were fantastic in this game. I think the Dolphins... I've been talking about him for a few weeks now. I think they have hit on Cordray Tankersley, their third-round draft pick, number 97 overall. The guy is playing fantastic on the game-winning interception from Rashad Jones. He gets his hand there, knocks that ball away, and turns what should have been a first and goal, which basically was going to be the game because the Falcons are about to go inside the five-yard line. He breaks it up right into Rashad Jones, interception, game over. He was fantastic. Xavier Howard was targeted seven times on Julio Jones, who he tracked throughout the entire course of the game, seven times, 62 yards. That's not fantastic. No touchdowns, but it's not too bad either for a second-year player who was much maligned last year with a knee injury, had some issues, and he did get roasted on one play today, but I think that might have been more of a communication. We will see more about that on the film, but he trailed Julio Jones throughout most of the game and allowed just 62 yards, which is fantastic on that part in terms of holding an elite superstar to that low of a number. And then what else can I say about this defensive line, guys? Every week they're making these plays. And this week they got a new addition back to that line, making plays. Again, Jordan Phillips had one of his best games as Miami Dolphins, in my opinion. I'll see the film again to make sure on that, but he was in the backfield a lot, making creating havoc and, and causing the Falcons' running game to get little push. Will Hayes continues to be fantastic on closing down the backside of, of running plays and chasing from behind and making sure there's no cutback lanes for him. And Dalma Kinsu lives in the defensive or in the offensive backfield, I should say. Another fantastic game from him. Cam Wake now has a sack in four consecutive games. He is 50th all time with 85 career sacks, and when you consider the fact that he didn't even start his first NFL game until he was 28 years old. That is a remarkable stat. So the defensive line playing awesome. I would be remiss if I didn't mention the linebackers. Lawrence Timmons has just been fantastic since he came back. And what else can I say about Rashad Jones playing the way he has the last few weeks, getting that game-winning takeaway, telling the Atlanta crowd that this is his city. He was born and raised in, in the state of Georgia, went to the University of Georgia to play his college ball. So a fantastic day from the Dolphins defense. 17 points to that Falcons offense. And we will get to the stats on tomorrow's show, but next the takeaway number two is Adam Gase turning the offense up, getting more aggressive. He went for it on fourth down three times, converted two of them. The man coverage the Falcons ran, they ran plenty of man beaters, which is where you kind of flood one side of the field or you vacate one side of the field with slant routes and in cuts, and then you leak the back out of the backfield to flood that area to get the linebacker having to chase and run, and he couldn't do it for much of the day. Damian Williams got himself very involved in the passing game, has himself a big day, a couple of big conversions for him. I thought that the plan was much better. I thought that the, the play calling throughout the game was better and overcoming some shaky quarterback play at times and got the running game going, which is our next takeaway, takeaway number three. The running game gets absolutely cranking in this game. For the first time in quite a while, Jji has some nice holes to run through. He does what he always does and makes some yards after contact. He makes some big plays on his own. But those guys were opening stuff up in the middle. And Jake Brendel coming from Mike Pouncey, I got to check it out on film because I don't want to say too much with only seeing the game one time on a broadcast version where I'm watching as a fan. I thought he played pretty well. I will check it out on film. But he did a good job in the middle of that, of that offensive line creating some holes for Jay Ajayi, and then of course in pass protection they were fantastic throughout the course of the game, so offensive line really stepped up in this game and then going down the line, the list of things on the offense, let's go to takeaway number 4, is the wide receiver stepping up their game in this one, I thought Jarvis Landry he started off slow, he had 2 drops on his first 2 targets, it didn't really look like he was playing with much emotion out there, as we have grown accustomed to see him playing with, but he shows up big time in the second half, makes a few clutch catches has a huge, huge conversion on 3rd and 9, where he broke about 3 tackles spins upfield and gets that clutch first down. of course catches the touchdown pass on the beautifully designed play by adam gaze and the throwback on the fake motion or the smoke motion they ran there so really nicely done there Kenny Stills gets back into the end zone again with another touchdown catch for him. That's his second of the season, and he just he was more he was open much more today. Like I said, the, the Falcons run a lot of man coverage, and the Dolphins did such a good job of winning those one on ones when they when those opportunities presented themselves. And that's something this offense desperately needs. I think you saw them take kind of another step today in that passing game with Cutler. And I think if that evolves more and more, the way this defense is playing, the way the running game went today, could be a pretty tough team to beat down the stretch. Now the number five takeaway, and I. I I promise I wasn't gonna do this too much this year. Every time I talk about it, I say I'm not gonna talk about it anymore. But how can you not give credit to Cody Parkey, the kicker for the Miami Dolphins? He now has game winners of 55 yards and 49 yards, kicking that game winner there, clutch-clutch kick at the end of the game when the Dolphins were tied 17 all with about two and a half minutes. And uh I mean what more can you say about the guy? He's just he's seven for seven on field goals this year. He does have two missed extra points, but kind of irrelevant. Well the Titans one was not relevant, not at all, actually, in that in that sense. The Jets game was a relevant miss PAT. That that one, not so much, but he has been very clutch in terms of kicking for this team this year and getting those crucial three points on the board. So those are the five takeaways. Dolphins' defense dominates. Adam Gaze back to his old self, calm plays. The running game gets cranking. The receiver stepping up, and Cody Parkey is a clutch, clutch kicker. list all right this is the Lockdown Dolphins podcast your host Travis Wingfield at Wingfield NFL and I was telling some of my friends today how much I enjoyed the game and how how just much fun it was to be a Dolphins fan today and this comes after my college team number eight Washington State loses badly on Friday night to California after I kind of got my ass kicked on Saturday in terms of betting on college football and then the Sunday Sunday the Dolphins come around and they get a big win and I just t- kind of tune everything else out And speaking of that betting and that college football betting, I get asked a lot for my advice on which games to pick or which teams to pick. And let me tell you this, what is just as important – As The team you bet on is the site that you bet on, and that's why mybookie.ag is my top recommendation. MyBookie has been in the business for years. Their reputation is rock solid. They do 100% cash bonuses, so off the bat, you're making money for doing absolutely nothing. And they have the fastest payouts. Seriously, it's just two business days, a complete anomaly in the industry. Trust me, I know what I'm talking about on that. You know who's going to win the game, lay some cash down, and win big today. At mybookie.ag, you win, they pay. They have in-game live betting, the most rewarding player perks in the business, and an all-new mobile site that makes wagering on the go a breeze. Join now, and mybookie will match your deposit with up to 100% bonus. Use promo code LOCKEDON to activate that offer. That's promo code LOCKEDON. Visit mybookie.ag today. You play, you win, you get paid. All right, so the next thing I want to talk about was a note that I took down when someone asked me a question about my allegiance to Tannehill compared to my hatred for Jay Cutler. And I'm getting accused of that quite a bit, and I really just wanted to kind of lay the foundation down for where I'm coming from in that sense. And what I wanted to say was that when they signed Jay Cutler I made the comment on the podcast, I really couldn't have been more neutral on him when he got here. I mean, trust me when I tell you that that video of Peter Schrager of Good Morning Football and NFL Network, that video of Colin Cowherd both talking about the Dolphins making AFC Championship Games appearances this year, I wanted to believe that more than anybody. You're talking to a guy that has been a lifelong fan of this team that has VHS tapes from the 2007 season in a box in his garage somewhere. So nobody wanted Jay Cutler to have success more than I did. I will also openly admit that I really, really root for Ryan Tannehill. I wanted him out of Texas A&M because I thought he had all the physical goods, and I still believe that he does. Over the years, I've developed a bit of an admiration for him and how he carries himself. He should be a fan favorite of this team. He embodies everything you want in a football player. He's tough as hell. He never complains. He's not flashy. He works his ass off. I do believe that when you have that kind of talent and that kind of character, you will eventually make yourself into a good quarterback and mature into something like that as your career grows on if the circumstances finally fall into place for you. I think we start our finally- seeing that last year. I had very, very high expectations for him, this offense and this team this year. I thought they were an 11-win team with Ryan Tannehill. I thought it was a top 10 offense with Ryan Tannehill. And that was before I learned through five games that they have a top 10 defense. So when I see other units playing above their expectation, it really really sucks to see our quarterback go from being a guy with a promising future to a guy that's barely functional. And Jay Cutler is barely functional as offense. He is missing throws all over the place in this game. He had the one interception that was really bad. He has another interception that gets negated because of a from the passer call, which is just a, shell, a selfish play by Grady Jarrett of the Atlanta Falcons. He gets another pick dropped, which would have been negated due to a pass interference. That was kind of a phantom call, but that was a lob, uh, just a prayer of a throw that should have been picked off. He short hops J.J. on an easy pass route right out of the backfield. He throws a low pass to Jarvis Landry that is around his shoe tops. They are dropping passes all the time. It's because the balls aren't on target. They're all over the place. He is just not accurate, not getting the job done. He has a better second half, makes some big-time throws in that second half. And played a lot better at certain moments. I mean there's still hiccups here and there every time they're you know, within a series you'll have one terrible play, one good play. So the inconsistency is just maddening. He's not playing well right now. They're winning in spite of him, not because of him. And that's where I'm coming from. I love this team, I love the Dolphins, I want them to win. I just honest truth is that Ryan Tannehill is a much better player than Jay Cutler. But that shouldn't matter anymore because we're on to three and two, we're on to the New York Jets next week, and let's go ahead and get into that Twitter mailbag. I just want to send a special, special thank you to you guys that go ahead and write me those Twitter mailbag questions. They really give me good ideas for topics to talk about on the show. And you guys are so informed. You ask really good questions that really, I think, need to be talked about. So let's get right into it. With the first question from Greg Larson, that's at GSL now. He asks, if we stay in the race and we get Larson and McDonald back and Cutler plays better, we got a shot at the playoffs? I think absolutely they have a shot at the playoffs. The AFC is so wide open right now. There is not one single team playing at their level of expectation or better, if that makes sense. I, I think the Chiefs are playing better than expected, but the Patriots are playing lower than they expected them to. The Steelers are playing lower than you expected them to. The Denver Broncos are playing lower than you expected them to as they just are getting ready to finish up a loss right now as I'm recording this podcast to fall to 3-2. and two. So the Dolphins right in that mix at 3-2. and two. They have a, kind of a soft spot in the schedule coming up right now with the Jets, Ravens, Raiders, Panthers, Bucks. I mean, there's... Some of those teams, the Raiders are not playing anywhere near as good as people thought they would. The Bucks are not playing as good as people thought they would. You know, the, the Ravens are—they're what they are. They always give the Dolphins problems, but that's beside the point. I think this team, as a whole, when you play solid defense, when you run the football, if you can protect the ball with the quarterback, you'll be right on the hunt. And I think they're—they're—they're a—they're a team that could be any team on any given week and they could also slip up and lose to any team. So just let's just enjoy the ride one week at a time. I know that's kind of cliche to say, but I just I don't have a long-term prediction for you, but I think absolutely they could be in the playoff race. Corey Ashburn asks, and he was one of my longtime followers since back in the finalists' days, in the perfect field days. That's at Corhe 13 He asks, explain what you see with the adjustments at halftime. Offense looked more aggressive downfield, which opened it up a bit more. And, Corey, I'm inclined to agree with you. I just I can't quite make a definitive statement on that because I haven't seen the film yet. But I do think that running the ball and being more effective on the ground help open things up a lot more in the passing game. And those receivers on the outside winning one-on-one coverage, that makes such a big difference for a quarterback when he knows he doesn't have to make – any progression reads or find soft spots in the zone. He just knows that Kenny Seals is going to beat Desmond Trufant. It's so much easier for a quarterback to function that way. But I will have more of an answer for you that Corey on Tuesday's or excuse me on Wednesday's film show. Michael Ray at Dean of Dolphins asks: Is the aggressiveness on defense always part of the scheme? And we hadn't noticed it before. We're seeing unique blitzes and in overall intensity. I think it is. I think that Matt Burke has a better pulse for that he has on defense here with the personnel. I know Vance Joseph was a really hot head coaching commodity and good for him for doing that. And he's He's got the Broncos on the right track currently. But I think that he didn't quite understand his personnel the way Matt Burke does and maybe he didn't have the personnel that Matt Burke does to go ahead and do that I think Lawrence Timmons is really a Jenga piece in terms of a guy that can really help you do different blitz things but the way the secondary is blitzing and there was one play today and I forget the time of it or or what the impact of the play was overall but they blitzed off the weak edge with the cornerback and the Dolphins secondary blitzers their DBs are blitzing so effectively right now that's really causing problems in the passing game and with Lawrence Timmons' ability to kind of get back into coverage and Kiko Alonso's kind of finding his way in that sense too if you can get that blitz off the edge those linebackers drop into that soft zone underneath it's really really hard to pass against that so I think that Matt Burke is just doing a fantastic job and he's dialing all the right buttons at this moment. And then question number four comes from KB135. That's at KTB135. And this is a great question right up my my alley, honestly. Could running more inside zone allow Asiata to see the field more quickly, or is he strictly a development piece for 2018 and beyond? I think that inside zone would be a great feature for him. Asiata was one of those guys that I really liked when the Dolphins picked him. I thought that he had some flashes on tape, and I think that the reason I kind of bought into him was more of that highlight pop that he has. And the more I watched him, I kind of started thinking he was more of a – A gap scheme blocker, you know, a man blocker, interior offensive lineman, rather than a zone blocker. And I think that some of that that ability to kind of maul in a phone booth and get out in space really benefits his ability to play in the zone scheme. So I think he can do that. I just think he has to learn how to be in more control. His mechanics and his technique are not very good. So I think that's why he is going to be a development piece for next year and beyond. I mean, there are. Plenty of needs along the Dolphins' offensive line that we all know about. I think that bringing him along slowly and actually developing one of these guys would be a huge cog. It is kind of disappointing to see Anthony Steen and Jesse Davis continue to play over him at left guard because I don't think they're very good players or even Jermon Bushrod at right guard. But I think that he has an opportunity to be that kind of guy. I just don't think you should expect to see him anytime soon on this offensive line. And then question number five comes from my guy DJ Taylor. I tell him this every time I love his handle. It's at Ladon underscore James. Love that handle. Wasn't able to watch, but is color getting better about stepping into his throws instead of fading away off of his back foot? DJ, no, he is not. He did it again today. Uh, he did have a couple of throws where he stood in there and took a shot. That roughing the passer on the interception was one of them, but, I mean, it was a bad throw, so it's hard to give him a lot of credit for that. But he, he still is throwing off that back foot. Trent Green even mentioned it during the broadcast. He did the game. He had the call on the game with Brian Gubble. And he talked about how Jay Cutler has a chance to set his feet and he's not doing it. He's throwing off of all different kinds of arm angles. And while he has the arm talent to make that happen on some time, on some plays, it's going to affect your accuracy. Because when you throw on the run, and this is kind of just from experience with baseball. I was a middle infielder, and you know, I've played, been playing catch with the football since I was five years old. When you throw on the run, the release point—it just doesn't. It's not muscle memory to the point to where it's natural as when you're just standing there, kind of cranking it up and throwing it normal. So you have to really practice it to get those different angles and those different motions, and to get that muscle memory built into your arm. And when you aren't refined at it, it's never the same. So he's just kind of, you know winging it without you know for lack of a better term there and i think that that's really causing his accuracy to be really just kind of be all over the place and some of those short hops are just weird to see it it almost makes you feel like you know maybe his arms a little bit it's just not quite there like it used to be anymore he can't doesn't really have that 98 mile an hour fastball to reach back and grab so to, to use a baseball term there so i think that I I would have switched Cutler today at halftime if I was coaching the Dolphins like I would have last week, too. I mean, he's just not getting the job done from a quarterback standpoint. Jay Ajayi goes for five yards per carry today. Jay Cutler has 4.6 yards per pass. I know there were some drop passes in there, but a lot of that has to do with him, too. So he's not doing it. Um, He had a good few plays in the second half, but just not getting it done overall. All right, guys, that's going to do it for today's episode. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast. Leave us a rating review for that chance for a free PFF Edge subscription. Check out your other Locked On Sports podcast brought to you by MyBookie.ag for all your local and national coverage of your favorite teams. Follow me on Twitter, at WingfieldNFL, at at the show, at LockedOnFins, and check out the website LockedOnDolphins.com for plenty of good content from myself, Adam Vaccaro, Mike Jastrabiski, and Kevin Dern, three guys that I personally picked out myself to write for the site check out third 10.com be back tomorrow with another edition of the lockdown dolphins podcast your daily dose for Miami Dolphins football what you doing ran out of space on my phone so I'm deleting some stuff <laughs> by singing dog <laughs> by goal I pronounce you by wedding ceremony